turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Thank you for sticking with us on Take 10. We follow each of our Caregiver SOS on-air programs with Take 10 with Dr. Jamie Heisman, a nationally known therapist and a man who is well-known in working with caregivers as well as people who are struggling with addiction, and Carol Zerniel, our co-host on Caregiver SOS On Air. Uh, Ordinarily, we take up kind of interesting sidelight topics that will really tweak your mind, and and this week we're tackling a really difficult and complex one. It spins out of a case in Iowa, a former state legislator in his late 70s whose wife was diagnosed with uh, dementia, Uh, She was in a nursing home, and he would visit her, and occasionally uh, they would have intimate sexual relations. At one point, the hospital staff came to him and said, uh, we don't believe your wife uh, has the mental capacity uh, to consent uh, to any kind of sexual relations, and we ask you please to refrain from doing so. And at uh, some point, a roommate in the room in which the wife was thought she heard the sounds of sex from the other side of the curtain, uh, reported him to the staff. He ultimately was arrested and charged uh, with sexual assault. Uh, his wife had subsequently died, and it's a very difficult case, Carol Zerniel. Well, it is, and we should mention that the case has now concluded. He was acquitted. And he was acquitted. He was found not guilty. Um, and you know, I want to say by a jury of his peers, right? By right. a jury of his peers, right. which which is this is a hard one to ever find guilty if it wasn't the jury of the of his peers. Would well, be like assisted suicide with a jury of your peers. Yeah, yes. it'd be tough. Right, and you know, this is we we talked about this internally among the caregiver SOS staff. This is such a tough case because obviously, um, you know. Sex and the urge for sex—that's a prime. That's very primal. The uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, um, in many cases, is not going to knock that out, or it may actually accentuate. Some it. become hypersexual. Some, some do, and and like I said, that that kind of an urge doesn't go away. And then you have somebody who's, um, you know, they were recently married. It, it, they were kind of still in an, I would say, a newlywed phase when all of this happened. And and so if somebody can't tell you that, yes, they consent, um, but they're acting in a way that leads you to believe that they would like something, you know, and that which is what he was saying, that's pretty tough. I mean, how many husbands are going to turn their wife down when she's like, honey, you know, I, I'm, I'd like to be near you. I want to be close to you. Right. It's tough. And, and Jamie, do you run into this at all? Well, we all run into this at all as clinicians. I mean, that's what that's I want what I to meant. point out here. This is a very, 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 not, I mean, well-known issue in terms of the world of psychology. Uh, marital rape is, is very, very consistent with what we're talking about here, and, and that's basically a sexual act committed without a person's consent uh, when the perpetrator um, is the individual's partner. And so this, with, this is compounded in so many ways by Alzheimer's or cognitive decline. Um, it really puts into a great place. Uh, I don't want it to be put into a place where we start forgiving or thinking this is all about marital rape because 
you know, 28%, I think, of rapes are happen with intimate partners, and they need to be prosecuted, and somebody really is saying no, and it's, a, it's an act of rage and control. In this case, it's compounded by the, uh, a national, you know, epidemic called Alzheimer's that we all kind of can relate to in somewhat of a sympathetic way. Now, do you think perhaps the hospital staff over well, nursing extend- home, not the nursing hospital. home, I'm sorry, nursing, nursing home staff, staff uh, overextended themselves and perhaps uh, walked into an area that uh, there was no reason to go into? You know, it all depends in, in, about the messenger here, doesn't it, Ron, Carol? Um, who was the hospital, uh, oh, excuse me, the nursing home staff? Uh, who was it? Was it a clinician? Was it a med tech? Was it a, uh, um, you know, a physician? Was it the attending? Was it the psychiatrist? Um, this has to, you have to be very clear on boundary sort of grounds when you're going to have a conversation like this with, with anybody. And the messenger, I think, really, really does matter. Because here, here's the deal. If it's part of the treatment plan and it's going to create medical decompensation among, you know, with the patient, if you will, with his spouse, then the physician can be extraordinarily clear and say, no, this cannot be done. But if it was led with some ambiguity and, and, and empty area there of jello where nobody knew where anybody stood, that's a different issue. Well, and, and let's face it, uh, nursing homes are not comfortable with this topic very much, I mean, at all. So even when Alzheimer's is involved, the idea of nursing home residents and sex is something that's just now uh, being allowed and and thought about. It's like, you know, once you go into the nursing home, that's it. It's game over. Um, But the residents certainly haven't ever thought that over the years. And nursing homes are finally starting to recognize the needs of the residents. But there's a lot of... Um, I would say ambiguity uh, and uncertainty and the rules may be this way and that way. So I think Jello is a very good word for that. And, of course, they were in a shared room. It was uh, a room in which there was a, a, another nursing home resident in the adjoining bed with a curtain between them. Right. Well, again, you know, there's another dynamic we don't need to get into, which is a whole other show. But let's say they didn't have the money to have a, a private room. Would any of this matter? Right. Well, um, or, or there wasn't a private room available to them in the facility. I mean, nobody offered them one. Right. Or did somebody spend down to Medicaid, so now they have to have two in a room? These type of things are all questions that go into it. But I, I do really think that this is something that needs to have our continual discussion. It, it's opened up a dialogue. Um, for me, you know, it, it did fall in that sort of gray area. <clears throat> Again, if it was part of the treatment plan and everybody really <clears throat> felt that this was was uh, going to be a very much of a challenge to to the treatment plan and to the medical well-being of this man's wife. Then it's clear. Then then by all means, you have a court case. Now, is that uh, a con- I believe you have a court case. Is that a conversation, Carol and Jamie, that uh, goes on during admittance and talking about treatment plans, where uh, one spouse is. Uh, certainly fine and vigorous, not suffering from dementia, clearly capable of uh, of sex, and the other one may have dementia. And you don't really know. Let me comment that for a second about Carol's point because Carol brought up a great point to answer your question. Um, I think that nursing homes and assisted living are extraordinarily uncomfortable, as Carol just mentioned, in dealing with this. In fact, it's just for our listening audience. You know, sex does not turn off. This is the the. the the largest group of, of sexually transmitted diseases being passed in our country is by seniors, and it is often in assisted living or even skilled nursing environments. So we, we really have to be clear that, uh, that, that this is something more commonplace among seniors than, than our audience would really like to, to, to know. 
So I think assisted living has a difficult time dealing with it. They have a difficult time dealing with alcohol and drug issues. Um, they have no real set policy there. In fact, they use alcohol and drugs to recruit families. Um, so these are, are, I think, are things that, as and Carol, really, who's, who's executive director or heads the National Council of Aging and is executive director of our foundation, I think has, has a great sort of uh, chance to weigh in here and give us ideas of how, as a, as a gerontologist, we should start facing these issues. Well, I was thinking about all of the talk that uh, recently about um, death and death with dignity and a person's rights and how we have to we talk about needing to have these conversations. Well, probably even fewer people, no one wants to talk about death. Even fewer people want to talk about their parents' sex life and what that might right. look like when they are moving into some sort of a care facility. That's probably the last thing on our minds. And, and, and yes, and to that point, that's true. But bringing it back to the psychological realm, which I think we always have to bring up, which is marital rape. Um, and I never want to sweep that under the, the carpet. I think it's something that we all have to face uh, and, and Ron, you're very close to to this issue because of running a rape crisis center. But right. What we're not privy to out here in the public is whether there was those severe bruises, whether there was broken bones, whether there was injuries. Well, actually, in the in the newspaper reports, there were none. Yeah, there that. were none. Yes, there was right. no bruising. So to, yeah, it was a consensual. To, to, the issue was consensual. Was she competent enough uh, to consent uh, to sexual relations? That was the issue. Right. And then so there and he said, I didn't force myself. Right. If, if, she if, came on to me. And how could they measure the shock, anxiety, and intense fear? You know, do they have an excellent neuropsychologist that can actually give a test to somebody with Alzheimer's and, and really see the difference of affect? So we're on such gray uh, area here. And I think it just speaks to our society's inability here to catch up with the real world of, of boomers and seniors, if you will. All right, well, Carol gets the last word. So if you have a loved one that has dementia is moving into a facility, this is something, if you've got a couple, you may need to have this discussion. You may need to talk to the facility about what is allowed, not allowed, and if you have someone with Alzheimer's, getting that care plan that Jamie's talked about, you know, very clear. Thank you. I agree with you. I think it should totally be informed consent, and I think until we really school and educate the assisted living, skilled nursing 55 and over residential centers on all these policies and all the boundaries around it. Um, this is where it should happen. And you the got the last floor, word, like Dr. Jamie. That's it. Thank you. Jamie Heisman, Carol Zernial, I'm Ron Aaron. Thanks for listening to Take 10 on 930 AM, The Answer.